This is the Bible in one year, day 236. Winning the battle. Of course, he did not know where it was. He was 85 years of age and had written dozens of books. I was asking him if he could tell me exactly where in his books I could find the quote I was looking for. He told me he had absolutely no idea, but gave me permission to quote it anyway. Since then, I've used this quote over and over again because it seemed to me that Bishop Leslie Newbigin had summarized a crucial insight for our understanding of Jesus and the New Testament. The resurrection was not the reversal of a defeat, but the manifestation of a victory. The cross was not a defeat. Rather, taken together, the cross and resurrection are the greatest victory to have taken place in the history of the world. It's a victory that has huge implications for our own lives, our society and the future of this world. The idea of victory can smack of imperialism and pride. Of course, triumphalism is to be avoided. However, victory is not a negative word in the Bible, even in the New Testament. The key to a right understanding of victory is to see it as a gift made possible through our Lord Jesus Christ. This means that the appropriate response is not pride, but thankfulness. From Proverbs 20 and 21 It is a trap to dedicate something rashly, and only later to consider one's vows. A wise king winnows out the wicked. He drives the threshing wheel over them. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. Love and faithfulness keep a king safe. Through love his throne is made secure. The glory of young men is their strength. Grey hair, the splendor of the old. Blows and wounds scrub away evil, and beatings purge the inmost being. Proverbs chapter 21 In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels towards all who please him. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked, produce sin. Battle of the Mind The biggest battle goes on in our hearts and minds. This is where victory is won or lost. God is not only concerned about your actions and your words, but also about your inmost being. God watches and examines us inside and out. He examines our motives. Clean living before God and justice with our neighbours means far more to God than religious performance. The lamp of the Lord searches the human spirit. It searches out the inmost being. I try to pray regularly as the psalmist prays, Search me, O God, and see if there is any wicked way in me. I also pray this for other people. Proverbs 20:27 20, is a very useful verse in prayer ministry. If someone feels that they're wrestling with something they can't quite put their finger on, I ask the Spirit of God to search their heart to reveal if there is any sin that needs to be dealt with. 
God never gives a nebulous feeling of guilt. If a feeling of guilt is of the Holy Spirit, he will reveal the specific sin that needs to be dealt with. If something wrong comes to mind, repentance leads to forgiveness through Jesus. Then I ask the lamp of the Lord to shine again and reveal if there's anything else that needs to be dealt with. Because of Jesus' victory over sin on the cross, where there is repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, there can no longer be any condemnation. Victory for a king, or we might say leader, comes through love and faithfulness. Love and truth form a good leader. Sound leadership is founded on loving integrity. The leader's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a watercourse wherever he pleases. God is in ultimate control of a leader's heart. I've trusted this promise many times in my life when praying about job interviews, dealings with the council, judges or governments. Thankfully, the heart of the leader is in the Lord's hands and he directs it whichever way he pleases. The heart is so important. All your ways seem right to you, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Since victory is a gift from God, it should never lead to pride. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. Lord, I pray that you would shine your lamp into my heart today and search out my inner being. Thank you for the gift of forgiveness, freedom and victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. New Testament from 1 Corinthians 15 and 16 I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me.
battle over death. Many people think that death is the end. They believe death always has the last word, that death in the end will be victorious. Not so, declares the Apostle Paul. Death has been swallowed up in victory. He taunts death. Where, O death, is your victory? Jesus, through the cross and resurrection, has defeated sin, guilt and death. As a result, one day you will be raised imperishable and immortal. There are three things you can give in response to this amazing gift of victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. First, give thanks. Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The evangelist David Watson told the story of when he was called into the garden by the frightened cries of his daughter, who was being chased by a bee. He wrapped his arms around her, and then she felt his body go tense. He let her go and said to her, You needn't worry any more, darling. The bee has stung me. On the cross, it was as though Jesus wrapped his arms around us and took the sting of death for us. We still die if Jesus doesn't return first, but for everyone trusting in Christ, the sting of death has been removed through the cross and resurrection. And as David Watson said to his daughter, bees don't sting twice. Thank God. Second, give yourself. Do you sometimes wonder whether what you are doing in serving God is really making any difference? Are you tempted to think that it may all be a waste of time and effort? Be encouraged. Nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Paul writes that the appropriate response to the victory of Jesus is to stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Get on with the work of the Lord. That is the work that the Lord has called you to do. Do not be worried or threatened by what others are up to in different ministries. Different people have different callings. It's not for us to judge. They are seeking to serve God, possibly in a different way. Each of us should follow God's call in our own lives. Give yourself fully to whatever it is God has called you to do. Because of the resurrection, you can stand firm and know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Third, give money. Part of giving yourself to the work of the Lord is through giving your money. We see here a number of principles of Christian giving. First, it is primarily for God's people, that is, the church. Second, it should be regular. On the first day of every week. Third, everyone, each of you, should be involved. Fourth, it should be proportionate in keeping with your income. Be as generous as you can. Father, I can never thank you enough for the gift of victory through our Lord Jesus Christ over sin, the law and death. I rededicate my life, my money and everything I have to do the work of the Lord. Old Testament from 2 Chronicles chapters 21 to 23 When Jehoram established himself firmly over his father's kingdom, he put all his brothers to the sword, along with some of the officials of Israel. Jehoram was thirty-two years old when he became king, 
and he reigned in Jerusalem for eight years. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done, for he married a daughter of Ahab. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, because of the covenant the Lord had made with David, the Lord was not willing to destroy the house of David. He had promised to maintain a lamp for him and his descendants forever. In the time of Jehoram, Edom rebelled against Judah and set up its own king. So Jehoram went there with his officers and all his chariots. The Edomites surrounded him and his chariot commanders, but he rose up and broke through by night. To this day, Edom has been in rebellion against Judah. Libna revolted at the same time, because Jehoram had forsaken the Lord, the God of his ancestors. He had also built high places on the hills of Judah, and had caused the people of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves, and had led Judah astray. Jehoram received a letter from Elijah the prophet, which said, This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. You have not followed the ways of your father Jehoshaphat, or of Asa, king of Judah. But you have followed the ways of the kings of Israel, and you have led Judah and the people of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves, just as the house of Ahab did. You have also murdered your own brothers, members of your own family, men who were better than you. So now the Lord is about to strike your people, your sons, your wives, and everything that is yours with a heavy blow. You yourself will be very ill with a lingering disease of the bowels until the disease causes your bowels to come out. The Lord aroused against Jehoram the hostility of the Philistines and of the Arabs who lived near the Cushites. They attacked Judah, invaded it, and carried off all the goods found in the king's palace together with his sons and wives. Not a son was left to him, except Ahaziah the youngest. After all this, the Lord afflicted Jehoram with an incurable disease of the bowels. In the course of time, at the end of the second year, his bowels came out because of the disease, and he died in great pain. His people made no funeral fire in his honor, as they had for his predecessors. Jehoram was thirty-two years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for eight years. He passed away to no one's regret, and was buried in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. 2 Chronicles chapter 22 The people of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, Jehoram's youngest son, king in his place, since the raiders who came with the Arabs into the camp had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was twenty-two years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for one year. His mother's name was Ataliah a granddaughter of Omri. He too followed the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother encouraged him to act wickedly. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as the house of Ahab had done, for after his father's death they became his advisers to his undoing. He also followed their counsel when he went with Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel, to wage war against Hazael, king of Aram, at Ramoth-Gilead. The Arameans wounded Joram. So he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds they had inflicted on him at Ramoth in his battle with Hazael, king of Aram. Then Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, king of Judah, 
went down to Jezreel to see Joram, son of Ahab, because he had been wounded. Through Ahaziah's visit to Joram, God brought about Ahaziah's downfall. When Ahaziah arrived, he went out with Joram to meet Jehu, son of Nimshai, whom the Lord had anointed to destroy the house of Ahab. While Jehu was executing judgment on the house of Ahab, he found the officials of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's relatives, who had been attending Ahaziah, and he killed them. He then went in search of Ahaziah, and his men captured him while he was hiding in Samaria. He was brought to Jehu and put to death. They buried him, for they said he was a son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So there was no one in the house of Ahaziah powerful enough to retain the kingdom. When Ataliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family of the house of Judah. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered, and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. Because Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, and wife of the priest Jehoiada, was Ahaziah's sister, she hid the child from Ataliah so that she could not kill him. He remained hidden with them at the temple of God for six years, while Ataliah ruled the land. 2 Chronicles chapter 23 In the seventh year, Jehoiada showed his strength. He made a covenant with the commanders of units of a hundred. Azariah, son of Jeroham, Ishmael, son of Jehohanan, Azariah, son of Obed, Maasiah, son of Adiah, and Elishaphat, son of Zikri. They went throughout Judah and gathered the Levites and the heads of Israelite families from all the towns. When they came to Jerusalem, the whole assembly made a covenant with the king at the temple of God. Jehoiada said to them, The king's son shall reign, as the Lord promised concerning the descendants of David. Now this is what you are to do. A third of you priests and Levites, who are going on duty on the Sabbath, are to keep watch at the doors. A third of you at the royal palace, a third at the foundation gate, and all the others are to be in the courtyards of the temple of the Lord. No one is to enter the temple of the Lord except the priests and Levites on duty. They may enter because they are consecrated, but all the others are to observe the Lord's command not to enter. The Levites are to station themselves round the king, each with weapon in hand. Anyone who enters the temple is to be put to death. Stay close to the king wherever he goes. The Levites and all the men of Judah did just as Jehoiada the priest ordered. Each one took his men, those who were going on duty on the Sabbath and those who were going off duty, for Jehoiada the priest had not released any of the divisions. Then he gave the commanders of units of a hundred, the spears and the large and small shields that had belonged to King David and that were in the temple of God. He stationed all the men, each with his weapon in his hand, round the king, near the altar and the temple, from the south side to the north side of the temple. Jehoiada and his sons brought out the king's son and put the crown on him. They presented him with a copy of the covenant and proclaimed him king. They anointed him and shouted, Long live the king! When Ataliah heard the noise of the people 
running and cheering the king, she went to them at the temple of the Lord. She looked, and there was the king standing by his pillar at the entrance. The officers and the trumpeters were beside the king, and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets, and musicians with their instruments were leading the praises. Then Ataliah tore her robes and shouted, Treason! Treason! Jehoiada the priest sent out the commanders of units of a hundred, who were in charge of the troops, and said to them, Bring her out between the ranks, and put to the sword anyone who follows her. For the priest had said, Do not put her to death at the temple of the Lord. So they seized her as she reached the entrance of the horse gate on the palace grounds, and there they put her to death. Jehoiada then made a covenant that he, the people, and the king would be the Lord's people. All the people went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They smashed the altars and idols and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. Then Jehoiada placed the oversight of the temple of the Lord in the hands of the Levitical priests to whom David had made assignments in the temple to present the burnt offerings of the Lord as written in the law of Moses, with rejoicing and singing as David had ordered. He also stationed gatekeepers at the gates of the Lord's temple, so that no one who was in any way unclean might enter. He took with him the commanders of hundreds, the nobles, the rulers of the people, and all the people of the land, and brought the king down from the temple of the Lord. They went into the palace through the upper gate, and seated the king on the royal throne. All the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was calm because Ataliah had been slain with the sword. Battle over evil The news today, terrible events, evil regimes, horrific murders, nothing new. These chapters describe a bad period in the history of the people of God. God considered Jehoram an evil man. He led Judah astray. There were no tears when he died. It was good riddance. Ahaziah was no better. His mother, Atalia, was even worse, training him in evil ways. When he died, she carried on doing evil and causing destruction. She tried to kill all the princes. However, Joash, like Moses before him and Jesus after him, was hidden and protected. God had promised to maintain a lamp for David and his descendants forever. Evil was defeated. Joash was crowned king and all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet because Italia had been slain by the sword. This is a picture of the ultimate triumph of good over evil. Joash foreshadowed someone far greater who was to come. God protected Jesus from those who wanted to kill him as a baby. He is the anointed king who ultimately defeated evil and death. Lord, we can never thank you enough. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Pepper adds, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 it says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain. This is a great rallying cry that St. Paul sent to the Corinthian church. It may be hard work, but we must keep going. 
and God will use it to his glory.